0: Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. I am your host, as always, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and I am coming to you once again today from my palatial home recording studios here in the sunny climes of western Japan. And it is the 9th of November 2011, depending where you might be in this world right now, but it is the 10th of November 2011 for me. So it looks like all of those end-of-the-world predictions about the eleven nine events may not have come to pass, although I guess there's a few hours to go for those living in the Pacific time zone, like tonight's guest. But uh, before we get into that, I would just like to thank everyone for staying tuned during the, well, technical difficulties that we experienced yesterday. That was, uh, well, it's just one of those things that happens, and as I say, it's just one of those things that once again goes to show that we are more and more in this uh technologically wired world and when things go wrong they can really go wrong but anyway thank you for staying tuned through all of that and for those out there who are interested and wondering yes i actually did have to go and get a brand new computer and uh can't really afford to do that but uh, it's just one of those things and since this really is my full-time job now well it's just one of those things that can't be helped So anyway, uh, with all of that as prelude, of course, I would like to welcome on tonight's guest. Of course, we have Lieutenant Eric Schein, who was so good as to help out and to co-host and even host the program yesterday during my technical difficulties. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't get much of a conversation yesterday because of those technical difficulties. So I'd love to have him back up tonight for another hour, and he's been gracious enough to do that because I think there's so much going on in the world right now that we... We have so much to talk about, and I'm very interested to get his take on it. So, Lieutenant Eric Schein, Marshall on 911.com, CrossingTheRubicon.org. Thank you again for coming on tonight.
1: Thanks, James. Appreciate it. And um, Out to all your listeners, and um, old and new, and I guess you're actually getting uh, pretty high ratings and a lot of people. they were doing a poll right now at RBN, and um, you're getting some pretty good response. And um, Now that you're Doing this as your sole income, as your, uh, I don't want to say career path, but a form of employment right now and, and possibly career path is um, to support you and to ask the listeners to support you in any way they can
0: well thank you for that i do appreciate that and it is true i do need the support now more than ever with this new computer and everything but but also also of course uh, on your case and the support that, that you obviously need for that and i'd like to get into that but before we get into that i understand that uh a little bird is whispering in my ear that you're going to two nights a week now on your own r- uh, republic broadcasting so. i'm
1: glad you mentioned that i was gonna bring that up and i was trying to go down the laundry list of all the things i wanted to mention and that was one and um Now, on Saturdays and Sundays at 9 o'clock, the network has been gracious enough to open up a second slot, so we'll get into some stuff on Saturdays. Right, and And just to make sure that's
0: 9 o'clock Pacific, 11 o'clock for our listeners on KHFX 1140? Yes. Yeah, okay.
1: And that will be, um, we'll we'll break into some issues on Saturday, may take some calls, and then hopefully carry over uh, whatever we talked about on Saturday into Sunday.
0: Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to that, and it's good to hear that you're going to have uh, even more of a chance to get the word out on these things. So that's that's very exciting. What else is on that laundry list of yours?
1: Well, of course, the case, I need obviously a, a political, um, not a political, I mean, this case is political, but I need a legal yeah. defense fund. Yeah, I don't think I you're a... going to
0: get political help out of this, but certainly <laughs> yeah, right. you need legal help, yes. Well, no, I,
1: I think I can and should get political help, but it should come from the people, because the people are the ultimate oversight of the government uh, politically and otherwise economically and more uh... because it is you know upon the people that our, our government only works when the people force it
0: absolutely right i couldn't have said it better myself and it's important for us to remember that the government is us and we are the government so we have to take it back but on that note let's take a few minute break and we'll be right back after these messages Welcome back. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio, and I am your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and joining us on the line tonight, once again, is Lieutenant Eric Schein of uh, martiallaw 911com CrossingTheRubicon.org, and of course, uh, the host of In the Zone, now on Saturday and Sunday nights, right here on Republic Broadcasting at 9 p.m. Pacific, that's 11 Central, 12 midnight Eastern, so in the same time slot. So it's... uh, Orbit through the week and shine on the weekends. It sounds like a good combination. At any rate, uh, Lieutenant Eric Shine, great to have you back on tonight. So, so let's start. Uh, let's pick up from where we were talking. What we were talking about yesterday, where we were starting to get into the the latest details of your case and, uh, and what's going on. So let's just sort of recap yesterday's conversation and get into the the latest.
1: Well, the long and the short of it is, uh, the Coast Guard is now declaring that it's a branch of military. It's not supposed to be supposed to be a federal maritime police force. It's saying that it's a branch of military and homeland security where no branches of military are supposed to exist. Um, it's saying it's a branch of military outside the Department of Defense, outside the apparent control and authority of the Pentagon. It's saying that it now comes under martial law, military law, a form of martial law, Title X and the Uniform Code of Military Justice, and Title Ten is only supposed to be for the four regular branches of the military in the Department of Defense—Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines—but it's now moved almost like it's a tank, or an atomic weapon, or some special weapon or munition uh, or platform, some military platform. They've moved it out of the Department of Defense and are operating this, you know, military weapon, uh, military gavel outside of the Department of Defense, under military law, UCMJ, Title Ten, And that is martial law. I mean, that's my website's been out, and I've been on this, you know, for want of a better word, kick, for the last, um, you know, since 2003, 2004, uh, or shortly thereafter, when the Coast Guard, a branch of military that I'm not in, brought charges against me, as an alleged civilian, using JAG military, you know, Coast Guard, commissioned officers in uniform, minimally they're police officers. So it's it's like a police court. But it, they're saying they're a branch of military now, and if you go to their website, www.uscg.mil, you know, it's pretty clear. I'm not saying this. But they're also saying that they're a special branch of military, that posse comitatus or the prohibitions or preventions from using our military against civilians, not only overseas but here in the United States more so, like uh, was expressed by the Supreme Court in case law, uh, Reed v. Covert, 1957. Um, I brought this up and talked to you about it before, where a woman who was the wife of a service member, she was not in the military herself, I believe he was in the Army, serving in England, he was murdered, she was blamed for the murder, she was prosecuted by the military in a military tribunal, uh, I believe it occurred in England. She was um, repatriated to the United States, uh, put in prison, you know, found guilty. It went up to the Supreme Court. Her father got involved, and I, I think this was after it went up to the Supreme Court the first time. Um, in '56. Supreme Court basically ruled that, oh, no, fine, we don't have a problem in using military tribunals upon our own civilians. Uh, her father got involved. He advocated to the um, solicitor general, who's considered the 10th U.S. Supreme Court justice, you know, proverbially, because he gets to decide when, where, and how to defend the U.S. Constitution. The attorney general works for him when he takes on a cause. Uh, her father got them to petition the Supreme Court, and in 1957, the Supreme Court, I believe the only time the same seating of the same Supreme Court overturned itself, you know, almost... Um, it, a year later is almost immediately and uh, Hugo Black the justice who wrote the uh, majority opinion went all the way back to the Magna Carta 1215 AD from England from Europe and expressed why we have a bright line of separation between the military and civilians and military and civilian affairs and that we in the United States do not use the military to enforce civilian law. In my own proceedings or, you know, um, filings, the Coast Guard or NTSB now, the National Transportation Safety Board, has quoted posse comitatus directly saying that posse comitatus states that the federal military forces will not be used for state law enforcement on non-federal property. And so they're kind of getting into the whole thing like the language on wiretapping, and they're trying to be specific and skirt the issue or the intent or spirit of the law.
0: Uh, well, that's it. it. It's, not, it's not only that, mm-hmm. though. I think it's also the fact that they, they like to try to take both sides of the issue, because I've had some feedback on this issue from some Coasties, and I have nothing against the Coasties themselves. I think uh, they, they're well-meaning people who are just caught in this uh, this behemoth of a system. But uh, they, they defend the system, which is bizarre to me by saying that when, when they're arguing about the military side of it, they say, oh, we've always been part of the military, and we can be part of the Department of Defense, and we've been brought into the military for wartime purposes. But then when they're talking about policing action and policing civilians, they go, well, we're a pol- federal uh, maritime police agency. That's what we're supposed to do. How can we not uh, police people? So, so they're arguing both sides of the argument at the same time, but those oh, well, two that, things but, cannot go together.
1: Exactly. And there lies the problem, and that's the rub that's been there since the Coast Guard was started. There is a strategic and a national security interest in taking things like your lighthouses and your ports and port security and uh, even icebreaking, uh, saving and other issues that are predominantly civilian in nature, especially in peacetime, and bringing them under uh, at least to where you have uh, military personnel uh, higher up the food chain who are working with or under civilian personnel, like the Secretary of Defense uh, or Secretary of Transportation and others, so that the strategic and or uh, military importance or national security interests of those assets are not uh, utilized against us or minimized in such a way, uh, or even to where the military would overtake and, uh, uh, for want of protecting the country, uh, and or the people writing uh, roughshod over the Constitution and due process and, you know, our system of civilian law.
0: Exactly right, exactly right. So so what uh, I guess the, the question is, what does this all add up to in terms of your case specifically and where they're trying to take it? Because uh, there's a lot of profound implications of your case. And one thing that I wanted to pick up on yesterday is that uh, you were talking about um, modern technologies that could that really should and could be used in in the courtroom settings um, these days A- and you mentioned Reed versus Covert and I know you've mentioned before in that ruling, they, they say there's no reason why we can't try people in in America no matter where they are in the world Big exactly. trains, and automobiles okay. can bring them and now back was home in the 50s exactly, exactly, and, and now, our, so now we're in this, this digital age of all this remarkable technology, yet we still don't have video uh, recordings of proceedings, I mean it's it's ridiculous.
1: Well, and they're saying that that's a... a uh, like, even on this, uh, the psychiatrist issue, they've tried to force me under a psych exam, and they didn't want it recorded and didn't want me to allow to have an attorney there. So how is that not an ex-party proceeding that's independent of and separate from the court proceedings, but they want to allow somebody to come in who was there, observe it, and give his secondhand hand uh, uh, opinion about what was seen and heard, rather than we've got the technology, audio, and then it, it's for all eyes to see. They made it in the transcripts as if I was rushing the bench. The judge literally threw it in the record, like, Mr. Shine, Mr. Shine, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, and went on into the record, on and on and on. As I'm sitting there with my eyes wide open, going like, what are you doing? And right. realizing that he was trying to fill the record. With yeah. um, falsehoods.
0: You know? Did you manage and to I, get that into the record? Did you say? Well, and I, and am I also confronted it,
1: it, and I said, "Your Honor, I do not appreciate that. I am sitting here and have been sitting here, and you're clearly trying to, you know, put some kind of an impression in the record that's not true." And I even said, "That's why i requested audio visual recording because anybody going back and looking at it, you know, forget the transcripts. Uh, you know, even now people don't like to read." But if it was like a real-life drama, like you see these, um, you know, court TV, et cetera, to where somebody's in there and this stuff is going on and they're bringing up, look, the military shouldn't be doing this. This is a JAG officer over there. They would see this guys in uniform and I'm standing up protecting and defending myself somehow and everyone else under common law and saying this proceeding should not be going on, Period. And they don't exactly care they right, and
0: and think of how much more effective a documentary about your case would be if we could go back into what should be the public record and go into the the audiovisual recordings of that and show it to people and actually show them what's going on they instead of shocked, just describing it.
1: They would be shocked because they would see that I'm sitting there. The judge also made me, you know, stand. This supposed to be a, a quote unquote informal, you know, proceeding, or you know, they call it more formal. It's an adjudicatory. Uh, Hearing or hearing officer or whatever. Oh, I hear the music. Oh, that was premature. Uh, um, premature music. Don't worry. I hate when that happens. <laughs> um, the uh, uh, you know and and the fact that the the quote unquote judge is not a real judge. It's an Article Thirty Two by his proclamations. But then the FOIA officer from the Coast Guard is saying that it's an Article One court. When the Supreme Court has spoken on that as well, and said that um, admiralty and general maritime issues are an Article Three prerogative, you know, our our judiciary, and they're not for these Article One courts. Period. Uh, That was from 1828, from uh, John C. Marshall. The I think he was the presiding um, Chief Justice at the time, Uh, and he went into because what they were doing in Florida and trying to use these territorial courts. And that's where they basically came out and said these are um, Article One courts uh, that are lesser than or uh, created by statute, um, but they're not like a true Article Three, you know, court. They're not independent.
0: Right. Exactly. Well, okay. Let's let's pick it up from there. Let's uh, take a little bit of a break and collect our thoughts. But we'll be back after a few minutes. And uh, please don't touch that dial. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. Of course, I am your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and we're welcoming you tonight, wherever, whenever, and however you might be listening to our voices. And of course, I'm here with Lieutenant Eric Schein of MartialLaw911.com and CrossingTheRubicon.org. And it is always a pleasure to have you on. And, uh, and Eric, uh, something that occurred to me as I was listening to you speak uh, before the break was, that we've gone over this quite a bit in in the interviews, and if people haven't checked them out, I suggest that they go to CorbettReport.com and type Eric Shine into the search box, and they'll come up with the really, I think, dozens of interviews by now that we've we've done on this subject. And and I'm starting to get used to it, but it, but uh, there's a lot of uh, terms and, and things that a lot of people probably aren't familiar with, uh, Title Ten and Article One and Article Three and all of these uh, different types of uh, things that we should be more versed in. But of course, our yeah, nomenclature
1: that goes to our Exactly, civics, I guess, would be a good term.
0: Exactly. So maybe we should maybe we should define some of the terms and and, and point out what some of the, the importance of some of these things are and why people should be uh, be at least uh, willing to study these terms and make the effort to figure out what's going on here.
1: Well, like um, U.S. Uh, law is um, set up by title, and the title is a book. Uh, of U.S. code that goes like like Title 46 is entitled shipping. So everything and anything and not necessarily all things uh, pertaining to shipping are within the title entitled shipping. Uh, title 33 is navigation. Uh, title 10 is, uh, I'm trying to think of, I think it's Department of Defense or whatever, but it's the military law system for the Department of Defense, for military personnel. And it goes into the, the civilian superstructure of how our system is set up to where we have, like, the Secretary of Defense and or the Secretary of Navy who are civilian personnel in charge of those departments, even though they have, like, the chair of the Joint Chiefs who's a military personnel uh, or a military officer, uh, and the various uh, secretaries like the Secretary of Navy and others who would sit on the um, Joint Chiefs of Staff, which is all the Chiefs of Staff from all the different, you know, the four branches, and the Marine Corps Commandant rather than Chief of Staff, I believe. Um, it's, it's been a while since I've talked about these things. Uh, and Title Five, as another example, is the Administrative Procedure Act. And Title Five is a law that's grown uh I'd say immeasurably, Uh, it was originated as civil service law, and it was for personnel like the Coast Guard who were civil servants, but it's now taken on a life of its own to where it's an administrative system or body of law under the federal government to where even that's what they're saying I'm coming under and that the Coast Guard that's coming under Title 14 for the Coast Guard and Title 10 for the military uh, is somehow administering Title Five, which is the Administrative Procedure Act. Um, we've talked about Article One, Article Two, Article Three. Those are the three branches of the government. You know, the um, legislative, the executive, and the judi- you know judiciary. Uh, they each have their own independent role in our system of government, and they're supposed to like you know, Congress makes the law, the executive branch enforces the law. And the judiciary comes in and cleans up and makes sure that everything is constitutional and that issues of due process and more are protected and that people's quote unquote unalienable rights are not stripped of them. Like here, I mean, that's literally what's going on. Not only are they put placing me in a virtual prison by uh I go to the Nathaniel Hawthorne and the um Scarlet Ladder. To where they, you know, can basically not just, you know, like in, in that story where she, I think, had a letter A for adulteress, you know, she had to sew on her, um, garments on her dress and stuff and wear that around as a, uh, sign of her, I guess, uh, uh, you know, penance, uh, and that she had been labeled as such. Um, but that's what the Coast Guard, a branch of military that I'm not in is trying to label me say that I'm medically, mentally incompetent, that I'm delusional, uh, force me to be my own counsel in what's clearly a military tribunal, where the Coast Guard is, they're not even, these are not civil service personnel who are in the court. The prosecutor was a JAG officer, judge, advocate general, Coast Guard, military uniformed commissioned officer and attorney, who I had to defend myself against. How is that fair? Even if you're a JAG officer yourself, um, it's not a position where you should be or forced to advocate for yourself to the court. Because, and even now I'm before the Ninth Circuit, um, representing myself against the coast, you know, the United States of America, Department of Defense, for defect or default for not getting involved in this and providing me, you know, Navy chat counsel or, or interceding on the issues and, and actually being involved in much of what's going on. But um, And that would be the Department of Navy under the Department of Defense. But also the Department of Transportation, where the United States Merchant Marine is supposed to be, where the National Transportation Safety Board comes under Title 49, which is transportation. And um, the Coast Guard, of course, the Department of Homeland Security as well. i am somehow been declared to be medically, mentally incompetent, and I have to defend myself before the Ninth Circuit, against all of these behemoth agencies in our department. One, one, one in particular that is a branch of military who's been carrying on the majority of the um, actions.
0: Exactly. And it's a behemoth that unfortunately only keeps growing and growing, so we'll have to start cutting off the heads of the Hydra when we come back from these messages with Lieutenant Eric Schein here on Corbett Report Radio.
1: President Jimmy Carter.
0: Alright, welcome back to the broadcast, my friends. I am James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and as I mentioned at the top of the show, yes, I was having some major technical difficulties yesterday, and it was resolved by a brand new computer, which which I'm just getting set up now and can't really afford. But at any rate, I'm trying to get everything set up, so there has been a disruption in the website, and no new updates, obviously, for the last day or two. And um, who knows when I'll start updating the website again, but it should be hopefully, this evening for me, so within the next few hours. So just wanted to uh, throw that in as a a programming note for anyone who's wondering about CorbettReport.com and, of course, YouTube.com slash CorbettReport, where you can find, I think, close to 500 videos now that I've done over the last few years documenting many, many, many issues, including the plight of Eric Schein and the growing, encroaching martial law system that we have, which I think a lot of people think martial law is something that will be that is not here now and will be here tomorrow night, but I think of it more as sort of a sl- slow, creeping, crawling thing that's coming to us piece by piece. And, um, and it's already here. I think it's just a question of to what degree it's, uh, it is here. So, um, so let's continue with our conversation with, uh, Lieutenant Eric Schein. And actually, I wanted to, to draw out something that you mentioned at the end of uh, last night's broadcast, which I thought was really interesting, and I'd like to pick up from there. You're talking about the Occupy uh, Occupy the Courts movement that they, that you've heard of going on. I haven't heard of this, and I don't know much about it. But I think it is an exciting idea if it is being proposed. So perhaps you can tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Well, no, actually, some callers had called in on either uh, Tom Hartman or um, I'm trying to think of uh, Mike Malloy's program or whatever on K Talk up in L.A. AM 1150. And I guess there's other uh, discussions about this. And even many of the Occupy groups that have websites now, like Occupy LA and others, have a legal section in there. And and it's been something that, I mean, because this really, it, it's not just about, I, I mean, it's Congress. It's the courts. It's the uh, executive branch. Um, the only way that you can ensure that the system changes is to, to have the people impose themselves as the oversight on the government and those in the Because the problem is not the government or the form of government. It's the people in the government who have literally, you know, uh, from passing things from family member to family member, from father to son and so on and so forth, uh, to where our system has become much more uh, like a kingdom, Uh, much more royal in nature. We have, you know, we even refer to them now as aristocrats or elites and others, Or we have a separate and distinct political class, and you cannot get into that political class unless you're part of the corporate class or the money class. Uh, It's no longer of buying for the people. Um, But one of the areas or avenues that's getting – so, I mean, even if you look at the law journal, they've talked about it's a fraction of 1% of cases – that actually get into for a jury trial now. And I don't think it's because people don't want to. I think it's because they're being precluded from where they're using things like Rule 56C under the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure to preclude under summary judgment a, uh, an individual from getting their disputes heard before a jury of their peers to where the jury of their peers are allowed to not only decide upon the legal matters but the factual matters as well.
0: Right, I mean, what you described to me sounds particularly horrifying, because it's not just a plutocracy, it's a, it's a hereditary pl- plutocracy. And then the question always becomes with something like that, that's become ensconced with generation after generation just passing the torch to the next bunch of thugs, how do we ever get that torch out of their hands? How do we wield that power and, and get it back for the people?
1: Well, and that goes back into, like, civics courses and understanding what a republic is, and that, you know, for it to be of, by, and for the people... The people have to step forward, and and in times like these, uh, uh, not only hold the government and the people. I mean, with the with the bank scandals and everything that's happened, uh, the, the bailouts and more, not one person has gone to jail. I mean, you could throw Bernie Madoff, I guess, out there, and um, his was kind of a individual and more peculiar. Um, but it's it's a prime example of the magnitude of corruptions that are going on because if Bernie Madoff can do this he gets caught and it's you know decades down the road and we're talking 50 to 75 billion dollars that is involved what else is out there
0: and, I, and that's a good point, and I don't want to distract from the issue, because you make an excellent point that no one has really gone to, to jail directly for these banking scandals. Um, I, I think Madoff was a, was a different thing altogether. But I'm wondering if you've heard of the, the John Corzine scandal at MF Global.
1: Uh, not offhand. I know who Corzine is, but what...
0: Yeah, Corzine, I guess... Oh, no, 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 I
1: have. I've, I've, I've heard of it, but you'd have to refresh my memory, because MF... Uh, I've read a couple of articles that go into it.
0: Right, yeah. It's uh, basically a big scandal where they, they have absconded in the last few weeks with at least $659 million in their customers' accounts as the business started to unravel. And uh, and so Corzine just got kicked out, obviously. But I'm assuming there's going to be some sort of investigation. But unfortunately, it's apparently being led by Gary Gensler of the CFTC who, uh, who was actually working for Corzine back when they both worked at Goldman Sachs. So, right, um, Goldman
1: Sachs, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So it, it is just this big incestuous circle of the elites, quote-unquote, and I hate using that term because it puts them on a pedestal that they don't deserve to be on, but it does indicate the fact that they, unfortunately, have the levers of power in this system. And again, it you've got the fox guarding the henhouse in just about every possible avenue that you can think of. Um, so and it they, goes it,
1: from top, I mean, it's literally from top, To bottom that's how corrupt i mean in my own situation i cannot believe that one person is not well actually a lot have there have been people who've recused themselves but not to my betterment or to uh help me they've you know like the attorney who was forced upon me who was a risk manager for the shipping companies and the protection indemnity insurance clubs you know the defendants in federal district court he recused himself and then he, he actually passed on the conflicts of interest by finding his replacement counsel and then forcing him upon me. So it's like, you know, and then the first ALJ Administrator, Law Judge McKenna, Parlin L. McKenna, recused himself. Uh, Jonathan Axelrod, General Counsel for the Union, recuses himself only after he forced that uh, first attorney upon me. And then he turns me over to the shipping companies, or the general counsel for the federal employers, federal contractors, shipping companies, and has this guy Chuck Wolf in Chicago, no less, uh, own and control my legal counsel in the Department of Homeland Security proceedings to protect and defend themselves from actions in federal district court. So, I mean, you know, I've seen it myself firsthand to where, at all levels, these protection indemnity insurance clubs. This goes into the issues with AIG and the ports and Dubai ports and Dubai ports world and trying to transfer control of our ports overseas to a company in Dubai, which is a kingdom uh, that uh, you've heard of. And I think, um, I'm trying to think if the MF scandal crosses over into AIG, but the um, whole AIG thing is, is interlaced with Goldman Sachs all over the place.
0: Absolutely right. And and what we have here is this picture of this overarching uh, banking infrastructure, which has really undergirded the entire system as we know it, the entire financial system. And of course, it's built on this house of cards. And it's just a question of when the wind is going to blow, to blow over the house of cards. And and then uh, we have the ridiculous case of the the people actually having to bail out these banks for their own not stupidity. I don't think it is stupidity. I think it's absolute, complete, total corruption and fraud. And uh, that's like
1: having us, the taxpayers, bail out Al Capone. It's
0: it's exactly that. It's it's even worse because it would be like Al Capone's Chicago bought and paid for cop thugs, forcing people at gunpoint to pay, bail out. Yeah, right. Al Capone. I mean, it, it's the system, it's not only just um, paying out to the to the fraudsters and the banksters. I mean, we're, we're being forced to do it by the people who are bottom paid for by the very same fraudsters and banksters, and it's well, all connected at the top.
1: Well, and my question in all of this is, where are all the good
0: people? And it's I know there's question. a lot out there. There are good people, but they just don't seem to have their hands on the levers of power, and why is that?
1: Well, and even people like, um, I'm sure, Elizabeth Warren, you know who she is, know of her. Maybe not. You'll have to. They're starting this whole new, um, she's been, you know, uh, put out there in the mainstream media or whatever, mainstream media as some kind of, like, advocate for the people, whereas they have started this whole new consumer affairs department, and it gets into, like, not only the banking and home loans and more and, and credit cards. They've created another bureaucracy, another department, another agency, and we've seen that's the problem. If people could actually get into the courts, not have to go through these departments or agencies. A good example would be the Department of Transportation and how it was used by Ford, GM, and others to preclude uh, small manufacturers or startups of automobiles from coming into the market because they would set the standards within DOT and the rules regulations requiring the number of vehicles that had to be destroyed in testing to be able to get a car to market. So they had the big money, they could easily afford destroying five ten cars to get a car to market, no problem, through destructive testing, whereas a small startup couldn't do that. Exactly. And the first company that exactly. Exactly did it. I
0: mean, it, exactly. And that, to me, is the point that, that a lot of people miss when they first start approaching this issue. They think, well, look at these fraudsters getting away with this. We need more regulatory uh, strength in order to keep these people down. But. To my mind, I mean, obviously, this system has long since been bought and paid for by the fraudsters themselves, and they set up the regulatory framework in order to punish anyone who would seek to compete with them.
1: Well, you know, like Greenspan, where did he come from?
0: Well, he originally, he was an Ayn Rand acolyte and was a Not just an acolyte,
1: He was her attorney for the estate
0: and part of her very small, incestuous circle of um, worshipping people who thought she was the greatest thing since sliced bread, and uh, wrote uh, essays extolling the virtues of gold, sound money, and saying how the Fed was the, the biggest evil in the world. And then where did he g- end up again? Oh, right, chairman of the Fed.
1: Well, right, and but uh, who also gave him a, a great honor?
0: Quote, unquote. Uh, that's a good question. Who did Queen of England. Ah, he was knighted. I didn't know that. Sir Greenspan. Oh, yeah. Sir,
1: exactly, thank you. And that is the point, is that just like Sir Anthony Hopkins, he is Sir Alan Greenspan. He is a uh, an advocate, an agent for the crown. For people not to see that and say, oh, they knight penguins. The whole point of knighting the penguins is so that you can use that phrase and minimize the fact of getting knighted so that people don't take it seriously.
0: Unless they want you to take it seriously, then, of course, it's this austere office uh, that brings with it so much credibility.
1: Well, and our founding fathers here in the United States would have taken it very seriously, and they did, and they tried to pass the Titles of Nobility Act, and in in my mind, at least, in my study of history, is the War of 1812 was an answer to that, where they came in and burned the White House to destroy the administrative record of passing the Titles of Nobility Act, the original 13th Amendment, that forbade any American citizen from taking any kind of accolade, title, property, even anything just in name only, from a foreign interest, especially royal interest, crown interest. And that they would lose their citizenship for doing so.
0: It sounds like a fair deal to me. Um, I, yeah, personally, I can't imagine why anyone would want an honor from that uh, queen of lizard beast, but... uh...
1: Right. Yeah. And that but but George Bush is and so is President Obama. I was worried about Bush violating the twenty second amendment, much like Roosevelt did, serving into four terms himself. Uh, and I was I was livid about this. He even spoke with and brought it up to John Dean and he was out speaking and had uh, seen him up in Beverly Hills at a house up in there or Santa Monica or somewhere. And um, I asked him about it and he wasn't concerned. and, and now I understand why, because President Barack Obama is George Bush. He's his ninth cousin twice removed, think royal family or family lines, and he's uh, more closely related, seventh cousin twice removed to Dick Cheney,
0: Darth Vader. <laughs> I, I laugh. It's not funny, but it it, uh, yeah, but, it is uh, true. But
1: they even tried to make fun of it on Leno's show uh, with um, Cheney coming out in a Darth Vader suit. About this guy, you know, that's like uh, um, people bring up the issue of Arnold Schwarzenegger's father being an SS officer and Schwarzenegger going on the cover of Time with Bloomberg with his arm with wrapped his around With
0: his death head um, belt buckle. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And not yeah, taking which... note of it and saying, look, what kind of person, is this mainstream America? Is this your mom and pop or friends down the street that would do something like that and have, I mean, what would you think of in high school of an individual that would do something like that they would be an outsider somebody who would be uh you know not accepted they would be a troublemaker
0: for want of a better word that's exactly right and yet we are all too happy to put them into positions of power if they have some sort of allure on the silver screen or whatever the case may be and i i want to get your take on this as an american um because I, I don't know the culture uh, personally because of a canadian living in japan but what do you think about this 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 growing trend of politicians going on Leno and, and other late-night talk show hosts. I mean, to me, think, my mind, to have the president of the United States on a late-night talk show is just demeaning.
1: Um, Going on and talking about his job and his position and being presidential, and do, when, especially when he's in office, that's one thing. Doing it and talking about his personal life after he's no longer president, I wouldn't have a problem with it to an extent. Right, right, right. But but, but, but going on and selling himself and being more personal so that he can stay in the office of president and represent not 99% of us out here, but the 1%, the people who put him in power, Um, you know, you could look at even the issue. I I wanted to mention real quick, because I know we're running slow on time. I am afraid, much like I was with um, the 22nd Amendment and Bush and him staying in office and trying to serve and I mean, they're playing games with that, even... Giuliani tried to play that game in um, New York with um, Bloomberg, excuse me, and stay on in office as a co-mayor of sorts. My concern right now is that these people, who they are and what they're all about, even though it appears that President Barack Obama is a corporatist, is one of them, is representing the one percenters, I believe, at least in my uh, analysis of the issues. He represents uh, the uh, medical industries, not. Small mom and pop, but corporate medical, you know, insurers, large insurers, um, and more. Is that they will sacrifice him, and he may not see it that way. Uh, to where they would take him out just to bring in martial law, and that absolutely there's even talk. Right.
0: About- that's absolutely right, and that's something that so few people I, that I know even contemplate that possibility that uh, that something like that could could be set up in that way, because ultimately, what are these these politicians to the people? I mean, I'm not a big fan of Chomsky and some of the things he said over the years. But one of the things that I think he got right on is when he said that uh, basically they sell they sell politicians like tubes of toothpaste now, and I think that's that's the way I see a lot of these puppet politicians. They're just tubes of toothpaste that walk around spouting whatever their masters tell them. But we are hey, right up against a break. So let's just take what, a few minutes break and, and we'll, we'll be right back though. after this.
1: Every makes, chance takes. Odds are he won't live to see tomorrow.
0: Screen, and beam, the All right, welcome back, friends. James Corbett here, CorbettReport.com, and you are tuned into Corbett Report Radio with our special guest, Lieutenant Eric Schein of MarshallLaw911.com and CrossingTheRubicon.org, and now on Saturday and Sunday nights in this very time slot right here on Republic Broadcasting. So it's great to see that, uh, that Lieutenant Eric Schein is getting more time to talk about his uh, his case and his view of the world and just before the break, I was mentioning the, uh, the analogy of uh, politicians as tubes of toothpaste. And uh, during, the, uh, during the break, uh, Lieutenant, you had a very interesting take on that. Why don't you tell people what you asked me?
1: Uh, about what you do with the, do a tube of toothpaste when you're done with it, or done squeezing it?
0: That's it. What do you do? You throw it away.
1: Throw it away. And that, you know, even though Obama may have served their purposes, uh, you know, faithfully... And, you know, as far as insurance and not prosecuting uh, any of these cases or investigating them properly as to what's going on in the bigger, you know, scheme of things, literally, uh, that at some point they will discard him if that suits, suits
0: right. their purpose. And, and exactly. And that's not just, I think, for the president. I think that's for all the people, the, the blackies who serve the system and uh, serve it faithfully as they will. Uh, they'll still get discarded in the end. And so people who think they can sell out to this system and sell out to the evil and just live the good life that way are, are in for an unpleasant surprise when they find out the psychopathic uh, controllers at the top don't um, don't have any regard for them whatsoever. But well, um, Even but, if you
1: look at some of the issues like on tobacco, And uh, uh, what's the individual from, um, about, you know, going into the countries and doing the um, deals, not just with the IMF, but um, uh, economic hitman, uh, John,
0: is it John? I know the name. It's not coming to me at the moment. Yeah, but... Perkins and, and, yeah, Perkins. Right.
1: Uh, You know, economic hitman. You see what level, and these are at much, 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 much lower levels in the grand scheme of things going
0: on that's exactly right all right well uh, let's uh, let's finish up here back to your own case with the with the coast guard and the ongoing legal dispute um obviously as i'm not the... in the coast
1: guard i'm not in the coast guard let's that's, make that clear
0: that's exactly right no you are being tried by the coast guard who are claiming you to be medically mentally incompetent as the civilian which you're not but again, this is all the uh, legal kerfuffle going on. But but let's once again put the call out there for people who are in some position to either provide help or to get someone who can help um, onto this case, because really, I mean, the Coast Guard has stolen your life and your livelihood, uh, and in during these legal struggles. And I don't think um, a, a lot of people out there really understand just how just how devastating that is until it happens to them. And uh, and that the point here is that we are in a common law system, and what precedent is set here will affect all of us, or at least everyone in the American system. So I think it's extremely important for people to, to get behind this and to help out in whatever way they can.
1: Well, that, the, the way that the American system goes, goes the way of the world to an extent, because we are such an enormous economic and military uh, force to be reckoned with, and that, you know, if, if good things happen here good things happen around the world. If bad things happen here, bad things happen around the world. Um, you know, we are supposed to be the uh, uh, beacon on the hill that is, is trying to, yeah, I bring this up even as to the Merchant Marine and our American flagships, that as foreign flagships come into the United States, those are floating embassies. That when American flags under American law, American laws, rules, and regulations, American um, construction Uh, uh, parameters goes overseas, we extend our ways of life, our constitution, due process and more
0: Exactly right, uh, and unfortunately yes, the president that's being said is a terrible one. Well, we are fresh out of time, but we will undoubtedly have you back in the future Lieutenant Schein? Yes Oh, yes, I'll be on uh, in the zone this coming Sunday in this very time slot on RBN, so stay tuned for that, and thank you all for tuning in tonight, and thank you all for listening. I'll see you again tomorrow night. Thank you, Lieutenant Eric Schein. Peace, thanks.